0: Today we're looking at 1 Kings chapter 8, which is the dedication of Solomon's temple, or dedication of the temple of the Lord. It must have been an absolutely amazing place. We can only guess. For this uh, great event, King Solomon summoned into his presence three categories of men. First three, the elders of Israel. They were the respected men who were in charge of local government and justice throughout Israel. They advised the king on important matters of state because it was very political. All the heads of the tribes, the the oldest living males in each extended family unit, they were responsible for learning the law of Moses and leading their families to obey it. And thirdly, the chiefs of the Israelite families to bring up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. This was their task. The Ark, you remember, David had put into a tent in Jerusalem while they were building the temple. Now these men were to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from the tent that David had made for it in Zion, the city of David, Jerusalem the priests and the levites of course had to bring the ark of the lord and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings and placed in the ark in the placed the ark in the inner sanctuary
1: the most holy place and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim
0: only the priests could do that of course and What an amazing sight that must have been. It must have been awesome, as we say, in New Zealand. Then Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel gathered and sacrificed so many sheep and cattle that they couldn't be counted or recorded.
1: This was a vast assembly of people. The entire assembly of Israel from north to south. There wasn't any sense of social distancing in those days, I'm sure.
0: They celebrated the festival of dedication of the temple for two whole weeks.
1: Must have been amazing, but but nothing compared to what it will be like in heaven, where we'll be
0: worshipping around the Lord's throne, surrounded by millions of angels. But this is just a foretaste. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the scripture says the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests couldn't perform their service because of the cloud. The glory of the
1: Lord filled his temple. Can you imagine that? Can you, have you ever tried imagining what it will be like as we worship around the Lord's throne? With all of those angels in glory.
0: Then King Solomon blessed the people and praised the Lord God of Israel for fulfilling his promise to King David. The Lord had said to David, you remember, you did well to have it in your heart to build a temple for my name. But your son will do that. Because David was a man of war and a man of blood. And Solomon was a man of peace. Then Solomon said to the people that he had succeeded his father, King David, and now sat on the throne of Israel. And he had built the temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. He didn't build it for his name, although it's always called the Temple of Solomon. He built it for the name of the Lord God of Israel Israel. And he had provided a place for the ark, in which was the covenant of the Lord, the tablets of stone, with the Ten Commandments inscribed on it by God's own hand. This was the covenant that he had made with their ancestors when he brought them out of Egypt. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands towards heaven. And this was what he prayed. Lord God, Lord the God of Israel, there
1: is no God like you. In heaven, above, or on earth, below, you who keep your covenant of love. We'll come back to that later. You who keep your covenant of love with your
0: servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. I love that word, wholehearted. We read it many times in the Old Testament.
1: Are we continuing wholeheartedly in God's way? That's what Solomon said with you and with your servants who continue wholeheartedly. In your way. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Have I ever prayed a prayer like that? Not exactly, but
0: have we ever been over, so overwhelmed with the presence of God? That's all we can think of. He is the one and only true God. The king consecrated the middle part of the courtyard, in front of the temple of the Lord, and there offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of the fellowship offerings. These were the sort of things that the temple was constructed for. Twenty-two thousand cattle, and one hundred and twenty thousand sheep and goats. Obviously, this had to be done in the courtyard, because the bronze altar was not large enough to receive so many
1: sacrifices. Can you comprehend even the logistics of bringing and holding and killing so many animals in the temple? They were not brought up the steps, of course, although they were live animals when they came in, but they were brought
0: through tunnels beneath the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount was a labyrinth of tunnels and drains so that logistically it was possible to bring hundreds of thousands of animals in
1: and kill them and sacrifice them. In case the number of sacrifices seems incredible
0: to you, Because it does sound incredible. The Jewish historian Josephus records in his book, Wars of the Jews, that on the last Passover in Jerusalem, prior to the Roman siege in AD 70, that over a quarter of a million sheep were sacrificed in one day. Can you even
1: imagine the logistics of doing that, physically doing that? The temple was built on Mount Moriah, as you know, Jerusalem, where
0: Abraham was told by the Lord to sacrifice his son Isaac. The plan of the temple was similar to the tabernacle, which Moses built in Sinai. But the temple was twice the scale and built of stone, with a roof of cedar and a floor of fir, and the inside walls were overlaid with gold
1: the opulence of the almighty God as near as could be brought here on this earth.
0: The Holy of Holies was 30 foot square and 30 foot high with lattice windows and ventilators in the roof and the altar of incense stood outside the Holy of Holies. On the outer walls, there was lodging for the priests and in front was the portico. The main court was the court of the people. And within it, at a different level, was the court of the priests, separated by a low wall. The altar of sacrifice was in the priest's court with water for washing themselves and and the vessels they used. Now in the next chapter, in chapter 9, the Lord appears to Solomon a second time. Remember yesterday, we saw his first appearance when he was a young man. It took Solomon seven years to build the temple of the Lord and 13 years to build the royal palace. And he completed it in 946 BC, approximately, almost a thousand years before Christ was born. And then the Lord appeared to him a second time and said he had heard the prayer and plea Solomon had made, and he had consecrated the temple by putting his name there forever. The Lord said, my eyes and my
1: heart will always be there. Then the Lord made a promise to Solomon. If you will
0: walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will
1: establish your royal throne over Israel forever. But, there's always
0: a but, isn't there? But if you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I've given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them,
1: then I will cut off Israel from the land. From the land I have given them, and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name.
0: This temple will become a heap of rubble. It was the most magnificent structure in the world at that time, Solomon's temple. The largest and most magnificent. And the Lord says this will become a heap of rubble.
1: And we know the Babylonians did this in 586 BC in the book
0: of ecclesiastes which in the old testament which means teacher which was written by king solomon in his old age he said <clears throat> speaking to younger people you who are young be happy while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth follow the ways of your heart Whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into
1: judgment. He was saying, you can live as you like, but you will pay for it.
0: In concluding his book, Solomon said, not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many parables Many proverbs, the teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and
1: true. That was the last time we read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's an amazing book. It's full of
0: the word meaningless and vanity, and I think that's why Christians tend not to read
1: it these days, but God is mentioned just as many times as vanity. Now all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. This is what he wrote at the end of his book.
0: Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. This is our duty. To fear God and keep his commandments. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing,
1: whether it is good or evil. He must have known what
0: we read in the the New Testament. God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, that is Jesus, Acts 17, 31.
1: The Lord told Solomon that he had to be obedient to the revealed will of God, that is the law of Moses.
0: Are we willing to be obedient to all the New Testament says that we should be and do? Remember, he talked about love earlier, a covenant of love that God made with the people of Israel. The Apostle Paul says, if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give
1: over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then in Corinthians, we have that wonderful description of love, which is often
0: used at marriage services. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13. And then to conclude... To remind ourselves of the words of Jesus. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples in John 13 34, A new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know
1: that you are my disciples if you love one another.